You are tuned in to Awaken Radio with Connie Chapman. To listen to more episodes, go to ConnieChapman.com or subscribe on iTunes. Hello everyone, this is Connie and welcome to this week's episode of Awaken Radio. It is wonderful to be here with you. I have a really Uh, awesome conversation in store for you today that I think will be incredibly supportive for so many of you. In my work as a coach, I get to uh, obviously dive really deep one-on-one with people and work through a lot of the stuff that comes up for us in our inner world, in our world of our feelings and our thoughts. And today's conversation is about emotions and the real power of emotions and how to actually, you know, move through and feel and explore the different emotions and feelings that arise in us. So this conversation will be really uh, helpful for those of you who often have no idea what to even do with, with some of the uncomfortable emotions that you feel. So I am speaking with an incredible guest. I have Rebecca Detman with me, who is a leading expert in psychic emotional work. Since 2005, she has channeled over 3,000 hours of higher vibrational messages, delivering life-changing spirituality spiritual knowledge to thousands of people in Australia and internationally. Rebecca has counseled celebrities, politicians, doctors, lawyers, stockbrokers, farmers, policemen, poker players, and cancer patients. Her methods are successful, direct, proactive, and empowering. A former journalist for News Limited and Time Incorporated, Rebecca continues to appear on radio and her top 10 iTunes Love Life show as a spiritual commentator. She has also assisted hundreds of teens with bullying, body image, and self-esteem through her Soul Divas workshops. So, Rebecca, thank you so much for your time today and for being here with me. Thank you, Connie. It's a pleasure. That was a bit of a mouthful, all of that, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) But we want to give everyone a bit of a picture of you and kind of your journey and the work that you do. Um, I actually came across you. Someone mentioned your name to me and said, you have got to check out Rebecca and she would be a wonderful person for you to speak to on your show. So I was kind of led to you um, sort of through through word of mouth, which is often how it happens. But I'm excited to even speak to you because we haven't we haven't spoken before and, and I'm really, uh, really keen to share your work and your knowledge with, with my audience. So this is really cool. Likewise, this feels like a really cool synergistic meeting. So let, let's see what, what powers we can spread here. Yeah. What magic we can make. <laughs> it is going to be empowering and magical. Beautiful. So, so let's open up a conversation around emotions. And, uh, you know, we always, I feel, come to teaching this type of work a lot through our own personal experience and what we've had to move through and found has either worked or hasn't worked for us. And then we kind of show up as teachers to support others. So, you know, Maybe even kicking off a bit about your journey of kind of how you even got into doing the work you're doing now, working in psychic emotional work, maybe even what that kind of means and and your experience as well of of maybe having to move through emotions and how, you know, that's brought you to where you are now. 100% what you said first, which was yeah. like we're totally called to the careers that we do because of what we need to learn and heal. Mm. Now, I don't care if you're an architect or a dentist or a janitor there's something in what you're doing which you, there's some deeper part of yourself that's trying to understand or come to something. You know, I, I can see this everywhere I look. You know, even with Hollywood actors, look at the roles they choose. I always think they're trying to explore another, you know, psychological or, or deeper subconscious side of themselves or maybe, I don't know, play out a past life or something in all the historical dramas, you know. I think this stuff's really fascinating. So 
Look, I my life began extremely mainstream, normal. To, you know, whenever you you hear psychics, they always, they always have these amazing stories. Like when I was a child, my grandmother used to come sit on the edge of my bed and talk to me, or I had a massive car crash slash emotional abuse or sexual abuse, and then I just you know got these amazing powers overnight, and I've channeled ever since. Well, I have got nothing that magical to say. Mm. <laughs> my childhood was pretty much like most people's childhoods. I would imagine. I you know, I, well, I was at home with mum and dad. I was an only child, went through primary school, went through high school, went through uni, did two degrees, came out, became a journalist and worked in a corporate office job for 10 years. So that was all pretty mainstream and linear and fairly average. But what happened when I was in my corporate office job was I actually began to discover that I did have this bizarre dormant talent, <laughs> which was this incredibly powerful intuition. And I was dabbling with it. Like I started to go to some, you know, meditation workshops and I played with crystals and I got into angel cards and I did all the stuff you tinker with in your early 20s when you're first on the, the self-development journey. And then one day a girlfriend and I were sitting in a park in Sydney. Um, you know, it's, it's very sort of post picture, postcard perfect backdrop with the harbour bridge there and, it, you know, the sun shining and we were sunbathing. And, and she asked me a question about her boyfriend at the time. She was having, you know, boyfriend dramas. And... I closed my eyes and I actually downloaded a one and a half hour response. It was a full blown channel that came out of absolutely nowhere. And you know, it's a channel when afterwards you can't remember anything you've said. You don't say, um, when you're delivering it. And it's obviously information that you just could not possibly know, right? Deep, deep information, going back to people's childhoods, going back to soul contracts, past life information, all kinds of stuff like this. So once that happened, the part of me that was the journalist went insane because because what do journalists do? Um, ask questions. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, wait a minute. You mean I've got immediate dial-up broadband to the universe? I can ask the meaning of life now. You know, I just went crazy wow. for years asking everything I could think of. But, of course, the best way to do that isn't just to think up your own questions. It's to come in contact with other people and hear what their questions are too, which, of course, got me into psychic work. So, People started to come to see me. Now, meanwhile, I'm still in the business suit working for these big corporate giants, trying to be very, very normal, very conservative and very shut down in my daily public life. And then sometimes my phone would ring and someone would be like, oh, is that Rebecca? I've heard you do readings. Can you do like past <laughs> lives and angels? And I'd be hiding in the pot plant or the office kitchen or up mm. on the roof or in the toilets going, um, yes, but can you call back later because I can't talk now? <laughs> this is how in denial I was. Of, of, you know, being a psychic is a very uncomfortable sort of profession in the modern world, you know. And so eventually it got to the point where I was getting these back pains every time I sat in my office chair. I was not getting the pains in any other chair, only my office chair. Ding, ding. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I got pregnant around that time. So I thought, look, I'll go on maternity leave and never come back. So I let go of a massive corporate salary and a job that I was – could do on paper, it all looked perfect, but I was totally miserable on the inside. And I know there's heaps of people listening that have this story where we've broken away from one career to the true passion, the true heart following, taking a big risk. Like I jumped off the cliff. I had a newborn baby. I had $70 in my back pocket. I had nothing to go on. Um, that was about five years ago. So I've been on the, the psychic channeling journey now for 10 years but full-time for the last five, if you can say full-time when you've got two children. <laughs> wow. Worked in around the kids. Okay, so 
what what has this meant for me and why was I called to this kind of work? Back to what we said right at the start mm. about the careers that we're called to. Because, okay, there's a few things here. First of all, to do the kind of work that I do, you have to be incredibly authentic. And Connie, I know that you'll, you'll understand this. There is no way you can dish out the kind of information and expect people to trust, believe and action what you're saying if you are not walking the walk. It's one thing to talk the talk, but you've got to walk the walk. And by that, I mean, you've got to be doing deep self-development work yourself all the time, not just sometimes, not just I went to a course once, not just, you know, <laughs> twice a year, I go to a women's group. You have to be, this has to be the way that you, you operate every single day. You have to constantly be looking for the signals that your body and your intuition are breathing to you every single day to guide the choices in your 24-hour reality, okay? So that's a big part of, you know, doing that kind of work has obviously opened me up to layers and layers and layers of shit. Absolutely. (laughs) When we we first start self-development work, which I know a lot of people will be nodding their heads to this, the first few times you trot off and have a big healing or a big therapy or a technique or a modality, huge stuff can come off you. Big shifts can happen. And that's usually the stuff that we're ready to let go of straight away. The stuff that's been sitting there for ages, we're just ready to release it. And we come out and we go, wow, and we think we're healed. But actually what's happened is the easy stuff's just been blown off. The really deep wounds, they're the ones that can sometimes even take years to get into because they're the ones that our egos are protecting us from so deeply because we are so afraid of that shadow work, that really deep wound work because it's getting to the core of the truth of who you are and this is the weird thing is that you can actually have quite a healthy sense of self-love in many ways like there might be areas in your life that you're very confident in or have good self-esteem or boundaries in you might do your affirmations you might do your meditation you might get in a beautiful bath with essential oils and scrub your body down and say I am a goddess and at the same time you can still in a couple of core places deep within you have extremely poor self-acceptance or self-doubt, stemming from all sorts of reasons, which I'm sure we'll go into in this, in this episode. So for myself, I've had to do a real look the demon in the eyes. And this journey is continuing. Of course, you never finish. You never get to something like, that's it, I'm healed, I'm yeah. done. <laughs> I'm only 35 and I did it. Woo-hoo. I mean, I, I'm fully prepared that this journey is going to go on until, you know, obviously until I evolve back into oneness, should we say, like a, a meaning beyond this lifetime, beyond many lifetimes, the the work never stops. You're you're always still learning. So in this lifetime, though, specifically, you know, I, like many, many other people who had parents from that generation who were raised in the 40s, 50s and 60s, who came from an emotionally suppressed, suffocated and shut down society. They came, our parents were raised in a society that was science is God authorities are God, the man in the white coat with the clipboard is God, the man on the evening news is God, you surrender your personal power to anyone who's got some letters or acronyms after their name and you listen to them, you shut up, you sit down and you people please. Mm. And there's not a lot of room in that environment for the messiness of emotions. And when emotions came out for many of our parents' generation, 
they were embarrassing. They were awkward. They were shut down. They were told to be quiet, sit still. You know, it was all, and that's that's a hangover from the Victorian era. Like this has been the way for such a long time. It's so intergenerationally deeply embedded in our social cultural context that emotions are, you know, uncomfortable, unfamiliar. We don't even know how to how to language them. I have 65-year-old women come and sit in front of me and I'll say, how does that make you feel? And they can't actually name the emotion and I'll say, where is it in your body? They don't know because they've never been taught to think this way. Mm-hmm. So for me personally, I was raised by a mum and a dad who were born. My parents were a bit older because they tried for a long time to have children and, then, and couldn't have any. They were going to go on in the adoption lists and then, bing, miracle, you know, immaculate conception, here I am. <laughs> but my mother was born in 1939. So if you think about it, she was raised by a woman who was born in the 1910s or teens, I think, who was then, so her mother was programmed with late Victorian upbringing, which is how my mother was raised. So that's actually how I was raised. Even though I was raised in the 80s, I had that carryover. Do you understand what I'm saying of that? It's transferred through the generations. My father was raised by two people who were very lovely, but my grandmother was totally drugged drugged up to the eyeballs on those 60s, 50s type of housewife, Valium type of mm. medications doctors used to give to women who were too hysterical. So she had no <laughs> emotions left, well, you know, because they discovered they could yeah. orgasm and all of a sudden all hell broke loose, you know. <laughs> so, so my grandmother had no range of emotions. She was always the same emotion. And my grandfather was, you know, he was a man who went to war. Well, what happened to the men who went to war, for God's sake? You know, look at their emotions, just complete post-traumatic shock disorder and shutdown. So... I've got this beautiful dad who I actually believe is a quite sensitive child, a highly sensitive person on the inside. But what happens when you have a childhood where you're an HSP, a highly sensitive person, and your primary caregivers or role models do not enable emotion or they make you feel embarrassed for showing it? Well, you know, in the first seven years of your life, straight away you learn shutdown and there it goes. Okay, so then I come along, you know, 40 years later, I'm born and I'm inheriting, because it's genetic, HSP, a highly sensitive person. And if you want to know more about what that is, go and research Dr. Elaine Aaron. She's done some amazing work in the United States about this phenomenon, which is one in five people on earth is HSP. Yeah. It's everybody who's listening, right? Yeah. We're all highly sensitive, emotional, intuitive people. Most of us have parents and teachers and sports coaches and mentors when we were growing up who were good people but had no idea how to deal with our level of sensitivity and to cater to that. So we've been schooled into all of these habits which are really detrimental to us and really close us down and don't honour us and we need to unschool ourselves and take on that responsibility now as adults to be perfectly fine with vulnerability. And I'm sure, Connie, you've gone into vulnerability in your show because every it's the buzzword. Like you can't not right now. We've got Brené Brown on Oprah and TED Talks going crazy about vulnerability but it's for a reason. It's because this idea of transparency or vulnerability is something which has been absent from our culture for such a long time. Mm. And yet, whenever somebody dares to exhibit it, such as you might see an artist or a songwriter or a poet or a performer or even, you know, like a, a motivational speaker or a politician or a Martin Luther King or someone like that, whenever they get up on stage and they show the rawness the, the, the emotion, the truth of who they are in a song or through their words or their body language, the whole world stops and takes a breath together and listens. We all connect. We all stare because we all go, wow, 
I feel like that too, or I know what that feeling is, but I wouldn't dare go around in my normal life acting like that, mm. right? Should I let you say something at this point, Connie, or should I just keep blathering? Oh, I'm just nodding, nodding along because I can relate so much to what you've shared and I can imagine so many people would of, of our upbringings and the way that we, what we learnt about emotion, what we learnt about self-expression and vulnerability and it's, and there's all these people waking up now who are coming to coaches or coming to see you or different people who are saying, I need to make a change around this because this is taking a massive toll on me and it's it's been my personal experience as well. Um, so I just, first of all, I just resonate so deeply with what you're saying and it's I think it's really comforting and supportive for people to he hear that there's nothing wrong with you, you know, the fact that there's discomfort around your emotions and understanding them and being vulnerable and speaking what you feel. It's just what you've learnt. And I feel like this process is an unlearning. It's kind of like let's find new ways of doing things and, and learning how to connect with yourself and feel. And that word vulnerability, you know, I believe one of the starting points for this is actually being able to be vulnerable with yourself, let alone do it with others, but even doing it with yourself, which is where I even find people struggle to even do that. Oh, um, hugely, so, hugely. So this is, this is, first of all, what you've said about these sort of these emotions and this stuff stuck within us is all these layers of programming, all of our crap, all of the stuff that someone triggers in us or we go to see a coach and they bring it up to the surface and most of us go yuck uncomfortable that's scary let me run away and go and eat food have sex over it get drunk take drugs and I don't want to face it but being able to face it and get vulnerable with yourself I mean would you agree that's one of the starting steps yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. what she said <laughs> Well, well yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're right. And the whole world is self-medicating right now yeah. because we are highly, deeply, passionately emotional beings yeah. and we are not permitted to be that in the society that we've constructed. It is not favourable. It is too messy. It doesn't fit in a box. People will get out of control. What will the government do? You know, that's why we've got hierarchies and rules and orders and all of this stuff which is which is there to keep us as cookie cutters. Yeah. You know, emotion is viewed as dangerous. People, are, you know, all these kids in the school system right now who are being labelled and drugged with all of these conditions, all these ADDs and ADHDs and, and all these on the spectrum type conditions, you know, maybe they're just heaps passionate people. <laughs> maybe they're people who are channeling raw, active creativity like vibration and mm. that freaks people out you know because we can't make them sit in a chair and listen to what we have to say well why should they maybe they're old souls who who are 16,000 lives ahead of us anyway they know it right yeah. I'm jumping around a bit here and I'm getting it makes me aggro because I get I get so cross at how, how suppressed this stuff is and I mean you know we look around the world we live in and what I was saying before about if I get a 65 year old woman come sit in front of me and she can't name an emotion well you know where was she supposed to learn that she's not getting it from her mum and dad mm -hmm. she's not getting it from the media for God's sake not from the media she's not getting it from school mm -hmm. you know where are we supposed to find this stuff so this is where the self-help culture comes in so then we get all these people trotting off and doing self-help stuff ad nauseum, take this goddess workshop, read this book, chant this mantra, om, om, and all of this sort of write in your journal, do your gratitude, affirmation. And people do that stuff till the cows come home and often they still don't see results. And the reason why, it's two reasons. The first one is because there's an avoidance 
mechanism going on here, which is that you just create more noise. So you say, look, I'm really proactively doing something about my stuff because I'm taking all these courses and I'm writing and I'm chanting and I've got crystals in the bath. But, but when we go back to the, the deep, deep, deep wound that's down within, they're not actually going into the wound. They're just kind of, do you know what I'm saying? Like busying yeah. themselves with books and activities. Unless they're really using the exercises, the therapies, the techniques to really go into the shadow, which is the place nobody wants to go. Unless you are actually taking the courage, and it does, it takes so much bravery. And this is what Connie was saying about being vulnerable with yourself. Until you have got the guts to look at your own self and risk the fact you might not like who she is or who he is or what you see very much, nothing ain't going to change. And this is why we get these serial practitioner goers who will go to therapists or counsellors or whoever for years and years and years and talk themselves in circles and be the wounded victim and stay in their childhood trauma, but they don't actually unblock or progress. They just kind of go in circles because they're they're staying in a comfort zone, a comfort zone level. They're not really sort of, as my, as my quite rough as guts girlfriend would say, they're not grabbing their balls in their hand and just going there. Like you just yeah. have to take a very deep breath and go into the pain, okay? Now, uh, yeah. what you'll actually find is it's often not that painful when you're in there. You know, you'll spend 15 years avoiding going back to that pain, but until you go back to that pain and have a good, long, hard look at it. So... I'll set up a little example here of an exercise. Mm. Um, you know, pretty much most human beings have some kind of trauma because that's why we put up our hand to come to earth. We said, okay, what do I need to learn this time? You know, I've had all the lives in ancient Greece and I've done the lives in ancient Rome and, you know, I've done Egypt, I've done Samaria, I did medieval Europe with 12 children in a cottage and then I got killed once, you know, once in, you know, Western Germany and, you know, like we've, we've tried so many different scenarios to better learn who we are as souls so we can evolve through soul school. And around about this point, we're all starting to hit spiritual university. You know, most everyone listening is an old soul. You guys, you've, you've all been around the neighbourhood, the soul block, you know. Yeah. And that means not only do we actually have access to incredible power because we've had those lives where we were powerful leaders, healers, changers, visionaries. We've had those lives and that is still encoded in your cellular memory. You can access all that stuff anytime you want. But, of course, the other flip side is we've had a hell of a lot of lives where we've been burnt at the stake, tortured, had deep grief, deep pain and what we call soul tearing where something happens that is so devastating to a, to a human being that it's actually like the fabric of their soul gets torn down the middle and there's a big scar in it. And scars don't heal that easily, you know, if at all. Scars are, scars are tricky ones. And so, like in real life, you know, we forget about the good stuff and we only hang on to the negative stuff. And so there's all these wounded souls walking around, you know, these old souls that have this history. So, okay, so we come to healing and partly a lot of our wounds are in the amnesia part of our brain. They're in the subconscious, meaning... If we could remember everything that's ever hurt us, we wouldn't even be able to get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> so, so the body's very cool in the way that it has this filing system. But, of course, what happens when there's things that we've shoved right at the back file and we've closed the door and locked it and thrown away the key and forgotten about it? Well, it's still in there. It hasn't gone anywhere. And, and these, these old wounds, they do fester and they do get moldy. And after a while, the body taps you on the shoulder. And the body does this by 
showing you a recurring health condition or a pain that won't go away or something that niggles or something that's uncomfortable in the body. And that's the biggest warning sign we have that we've stored something deep, deep down emotionally. We haven't looked at it or dealt with it. And so it's now finding a physical way to cause us trouble so that we remember that it's there. Of course, what happens in Western medicine is everyone runs around going, oh, my knee, oh, my back, oh, my hernia, oh, my tumour, and they go to the doctor and the doctor cuts it out or bandages it up or injects it or gives you drugs and then you go home. But is the problem solved? Of course not because you can keep cutting out every part of the body till the cows come home till there's nothing left and you can't cut out the emotional wound. So this is where the importance of emotional work comes in. This is why people who have had cancers come out, cut out get them coming back again because they haven't, I know this is very confronting and controversial things to say, you know, this stuff, this stuff really hits people hard and it can insult and offend people, this kind of language. But it's because we do not have more of an Eastern health philosophy in this country, which is about looking at our bodies through a totally different paradigm. And in order to really come into higher vibrational conscious awareness living and the kind of health that you've always dreamed of, it's going to necessitate this kind of proactive, disciplined, self-responsible response. And, and so, just to say, can I just be clear as well? Am I right? Those emotions, all of those blockages we've got in the body, they're also uh, blocking us from connecting with our truth, with our heart, with our intuition. So they're not only manifesting physical illness, but they're keeping us kind of in this surface ego-driven way of life as well. Yeah, because anything that's very, very physical is it's like it's like when we walk around in the world and we get all distracted by bright lights and billboards and advertisements and shiny new things and bells and whistles or the pain in your knee. It's all kind of the same. It's all yeah. noise. Mm. And and it's hard to go to train the mind. This is why meditation is so important and so difficult for Westerners to do. Because to sit alone by yourself in absolute silence is one of the hardest and most terrifying things we can do. Because again, we're not conditioned to do the, that kind of behavior. We are on autopilot of being distracted all the time by the physical and the external. Yeah. So we, we absolutely need to get much more attuned, much more comfortable and familiar at, at, First of all, making the time in our diaries to do this kind of work because we, we, you know, we flap our hands and we say it's not important or I don't have time or oh, I've read the book, I, I know this stuff, I know this stuff we say. Well, you only know it at an intelligent cerebral level. You, it, you know, it's one thing to know something in your head but your body hasn't come to the party yet. You know, you haven't actually experienced it or released it in the actual emotional body yet, right? Yeah, it needs to happen so, in the body for anything to clear. It, Correct. It still yeah. needs to take place. You need to actually do the work, yeah. right? And again, this is the kind of work we don't we don't really value because people feel incredibly guilty or panicky when they sit there and quote unquote do nothing. You know, when you say to a stress busy mum and you say, you know what you need to take, you need to go take a really beautiful hot bath by yourself with candles. And the first thing they say is I can't. And they'll give you a thousand reasons why. And that's that's a really simple metaphor. But I mean, there's lots of other ways in which People will throw up all kinds of excuses as to why they will not devote the time, money or energy to doing emotional work. And we, we know why. It's because emotional work equals pain and uncomfortableness. It just does. I'm sorry. And we live in a society where 
We don't like pain and uncomfortableness. Mm-hmm. We take our old people and we hide them away in nursing homes so we don't have to look at them. We don't want to know about the animals that are being tested on in our L'Oreal products that we all have in our bathroom cupboards. You know, we don't want to see or know about the animals that are being mistreated in the supermarket meat that we're buying. And those are extreme versions, but then there's all the other smaller versions in, in everyday life where we, when we say to somebody, how are you, we don't really want to know. We don't want the big full-blown answer. We don't want to go there. We don't want tears. We don't want to be made to feel uncomfortable speaking our raw truth to our best friend. We, we often don't quite go there in life. So I feel like I'm going on so many tangents here, but it all leads back to the same point. The, yeah. same, the point is we need to really get real and not be afraid to go into the pain because that is the only way. It is the only way. Everybody write this down and underline it. You've got to look at your painful, ouchy, woundy bits deep inside if you want what you want in life. What do you want in life? Amazing, high vibrational, loving relationships. You want money. You want abundance. You want personal power. You want success. You want real estate. You want good health. You want travel. And you want all these other things which are very westernized values. And there's nothing wrong with them. But there's a reason that some people fast track those things and other people don't. And it has to do with the level of worth and value that you accept within yourself. Because all of that stuff, as we know, is just energy and it's mirroring. Mm. Everything is a mirror to you in this reality. And if you don't like what you see in the mirror, you've got to go back to the core and fix it up and recalibrate it to raise the worth so that you're attracted out there. And people go about it backwards and they're like, I'm going to go change my life and try to fix all these circumstances outside of me because it's too uncomfortable to have to go in and really face what the root cause is. And this is really a journey of coming back to who we really are and our true power because all of these emotions are just layers that are blocking our inner essence. And when we're really in that clean, empowered, soul-connected space, we can manifest anything. We can manifest infinitely, but it's all the the blocked emotions or the old memories or the pains or the wounds that are covering up our inner light and our magnificence that are then manifesting pain and struggle and limitation outside of us. Yeah, it's it's what we do is we put walls in, walls of protection. Mm-hmm. It's layers and walls or blocks if, if we call them blocks. So, you know, there's that, that I think it's Rumi has a beautiful, Rumi has so many beautiful quotes, yes. but one of his quotes is something about, um, you know, it's, people say things like, um, oh, like, I want to, I want to be uh, more self-confident or I want to be successful. I want to be fill in, fill in the blanks, right? But you are. The fact is, you know, Rumi's got this quote like, we are, we are all the oneness we need to be. We have everything right here inside us because of oneness. We are God. You are God. God is you. It's all the same. There's no separation between me and you. We are exactly the same stardust. We are exactly the same atoms. You have the potential of the infinite universe, the multiverse inside you all the time. The only time you can't access any of that is when you put a wall or a block up to it. Mm. So it's about going in and getting used to the language of the body. Now, so let's let's go back to when I talk about doing some exercises here. Let's talk about the language of emotions, mm. which again is a language that nobody is taught in school. The language of emotions requires a quietness and a stillness and a clarity. That is something that you need to practice and you're not going to get it by running around like a chicken with your head cut off with itineraries and schedules and control freak regimented programs and diaries that say pick up the kids at this time and rush to the office and do this for the paperwork and call this person and go to bed late and get up early and jump on a flight. (laughs) 
That is not how you're ever going to be able to have, to talk the language of emotions with your body because the body whispers. The body breathes to you the answers that you've been looking for. Okay, you're not going to get them out there on a billboard. You're not going to find the answers you're looking for on the internet. I'm sorry to say, with the exception of Connie's beautiful Awaken Radio. <laughs> of course, of course. I'm glad you put that in there. <laughs> yeah, that's a disclaimer. There's an asterisk there. However, <laughs> no, no, no. So, so with my above the neck, below the neck theory, which is, which, you know, to sum it up quickly, because I did so much psychic work for so long, it very quickly became apparent to me that it, it's got to go so much deeper than just psychic. You know, gone are the days when somebody goes to a psychic and the psychic says, I see a tall, dark-haired man in October, you know, in your stars or whatever. Like, yes, we can throw in a bit of that stuff. But unless a psychic can go in and see a person's emotional blocks, a person's life purpose, their, their, their mission, why they're here in this lifetime, their soul contract, their blueprints, the lessons that they're working on, what much good are they really? Because most of us walking around can't see our own stuff. We can't see the wood for the trees. So working with a psychic is a really cool way to start to get into the, those emotional realms, do some of that emotional excavation work, and then you can go off and continue to do it on your own. But you can, you don't, of course you don't need a psychic at all. You can do it yourself if you make the time to sit down and have your meditation. Nobody wants to meditate. Why? Because we're Westerners. We get bored. It's boring. It's just, I'm sorry, my, my brain keeps thinking. I can't switch my brain off. How am I supposed to do it? Well, the point is you don't go into an ashram cross-legged for half an hour three times a week and chant om. Nobody has time for that. We're Westerners. I get it. We need to start chunking it down to tiny amounts. So, for example, I'll say to people, if you can tell me that you sat in silence for two minutes every two days this week, I'm happy with that. If you can tell me that when you were waiting in the line at the bank, you stopped for a moment and you had a real now consciousness, consciousness moment, I'm happy with that. Or when you're at the red light, the stoplights. Yeah. You know, all those times they used to say in the 80s, they'd be like, do your pelvic floor exercises. <laughs> like, like, come to the red light or whenever you're waiting or there's some moment when you're waiting in, in, during your day. It's the same concept. Have that little part in your brain that kicks in and says, ah, this is a moment for me to breathe. Breathe right down to your diaphragm because Westerners only breathe in their necks. We're very, very shallow. We, we've forgotten how to breathe properly. Hand on the heart, three deep breaths. That's all you need to do. Do it regularly. Just connect. Just connect. And keep bringing that awareness below the neck because we are so mental. Everything we do is mental. And when we want to solve a problem, we try and do it in our brains. It doesn't work. You can't write a pros and cons list. You can't ring up your friend. You can't read a 10 things article to solve a problem. Problems are solved by feelings. Where do feelings reside? Below the neck. How do we access them? Through stillness and through using really quite intuitive type abilities. You can't think your way to, to, to solving a problem of, of the emotions. All of the keys that you are looking for to unlock the answers to all of the things in your life you're just not getting, they are deeply embedded in the heart, in the stomach, in various parts in the body where they're hidden away. Mm. And so with small amounts of regular stillness, sitting by yourself alone, phone switched off, find the same spot in the house to do it every single time so you build the energy there, put your hand on your heart, three deep breaths, right from the diaphragm, drop your awareness down 
and do a little x-ray all the way through your body. See where you're holding tension. See where you're clenching. You know, see, see which bits feel uncomfortable or have shooting pains in them or just feel cobwebby on the inside and use that awareness to begin to explore your inner world. And use, I like to encourage people to use questioning with themselves and it's going to be really different every single time you do this because you'll have different blockages, different emotions, different stuff going on. But um, my kind of process with people, and I'd be curious if you do the same, is kind of what you said you do actually when you're one-on-one with people. And I get people to do it with themselves. So to be like, what, what does this feel like? How big is it? Is it tight or is it bubbly or is it fast or is it slow and and what's the emotion in there for me and how do I feel about it and what is this like let me get really curious what is this about and how long has it been sitting there for and what triggered it do you think that sort of process of self-inquiry around those feelings is valuable yeah exactly so somebody will come and sit in front of you and you'll say to them what's what's the problem and they won't know They'll say, oh, I don't know why you're here. Oh, I just wanted to see what you could tell me. And it's like, all right, let's, let's, talk about, let's talk about where your blocks are. When was the last time you cried? When was the last time you, that somebody pushed your buttons and you got upset? And then the client will say, oh, well, it was on Tuesday when my sister called and we had a fight on the phone. So then I'll say, I don't want to know any of the details of the fight whatsoever. None of them matter. What was the emotion that you had in your body? Yeah. This is when people start to say stuff like, well, she doesn't listen to me or oh, I just get really stressed. And I say, no, that's not an emotion. What was the feeling that you had? And then they'll say something like, yeah, frustration. And I'll say, let's go deeper. What's the core underpinning, the deepest, lowest vibrational feeling in your body underpinning this? And then they'll really go there and they'll say something like, well, when she doesn't listen to me, I feel not worth being listened to. I feel worthless. I feel worthlessness. Okay, where in your body do you hold worthlessness? Well, it's in my stomach or it's, it's in my heart or it's in my throat. My throat's really tight. What color is it? Well, it's, it's black or it's brown and murky or it's slimy or it's metallic and spiky. Or, and how bad out of 10 is it? Well, during that conversation, it was a nine. Okay, when was the first time in this lifetime your body learned how to feel that nine out of 10 feeling of spiky grayness in the neck? Of worthlessness and then the person will have a really good think and they'll come up with something like oh I was four and it was when my father used to not listen to me when I come home from school and I was trying to tell him things you know or whatever it is and we can start to, to really understand where we've picked up our programming from because none of your beliefs are yours they're all thoughts that you've borrowed from other people and particularly, as we know, when we are children, we are just sponges. We are soaking up our environments. So whoever your primary caregivers were or your role models were for the first 7 to 12 years of your life, you've consciously and subconsciously soaked up a lot of their beliefs, fears, phobias, insecurities, and emotional blocks. I know it's not fair. It's not fair, but it's, it's somehow what humans just seem to do. We soak it up and then we carry it. Mm. So you're going to do a lot of processes with your practitioners, with your modalities and therapists, etc. And a lot of it's just going to be shedding mum and dad's stuff or shedding the stuff which you've picked up from early experiences which are not your own. Absolutely. Um, what was the other thing I was going to say there? Um, okay, the other thing I was going to say was, this, th there's only so far you can go in a therapy with someone when you are just using your brain to think about it because you may or may not have the memories. You know, like kids with a lot of trauma in their early childhoods, they, they often say, I don't remember anything before age 12 or whatever. Mm. Now, 
Because when, like I said before, with a filing cabinet, when trauma is so big, the body puts it away somewhere that it can't hurt us anymore. It numbs it out and it puts it into the subconscious or the unconscious brain. Now, the cool thing is that there are a lot of therapies and techniques that have arisen that deal with helping someone access everything that's stored in the unconscious brain. And you guys probably have tried many of them. We're talking about things like hypnotherapy. We're talking about things like dream therapy. We're talking about muscle testing or kinesiology. These sorts of, they're like by routes that kind of bypass. It's like the therapist isn't going to ask you because you don't know or you're blocked to answer, but the therapist can ask your body or the therapist can program your subconscious mind. Okay, so they're getting, they're getting into that fuzzy gray area at the back of your head that you don't really know much about what goes on in there. And yet that part of your head is pretty much running the whole show. It's pretty powerful stuff. So, so I would be encouraging people in their emotional excavation work. So, I mean, there's, there's all these different tiers to it, aren't there? One tier is, yes, absolutely, go out in your external world and clean up your health and get your exercise happening and, you know, work on your friendships and do what you need to do and put in that meditation time, so, which is kind of the second tier, which is make sure that you are regularly forcing yourself to access <laughs> stillness. Make sure you know how to flick a switch close down the day, cut, cut off everyone and everything else and just sit there quietly for a minute and go into stillness and do that regularly and you'll be amazed at the kinds of insights that will start to come, you know, the, the types of aha moments um, and epiphanies that you'll have. Thirdly, keep going to your practitioners. Always, always do this. This is your homework. This is what you have to set for yourself to do for self-development. You must invest time, money and energy into what is basically preventative medicine because if you get this stuff out now, you are not going to be the ones with the tumours and the cancers and all of the debilitating health conditions in the next 30 years. You will get them out now before they come back to haunt you. Go to your practitioners, particularly practitioners. Like go, You can go to the coaches and the, and the psychics and the counsellors like Connie and myself and many others, but if you want to go deeper, deeper next level, go to the ones who deal with the unconscious programming. Because they're going to help shift out the stuff that you don't even know is in there. That is crazy. You will be amazed at some of the beliefs that you're holding that you're not even consciously aware of that are holding you back. And to that end, I would recommend people Google um, NET, which is neuroemotional technique, and find a practitioner near you. They're really awesome at, at this kind of work in particular, this emotional excavation and belief-changing type work in the subconscious brain. Because, mm, Denise, it's super deep. I mean, I've, I've been on my journey of working on myself, uh, working on myself, you know, is that, that's what I'm going to call it, since I was about 19 and I'm now 32 and I'm literally, I've been at my energy healer uncovering stuff about my relationship with my father that I didn't even know was there that's sabotaging my relationships. And it's, it's layers upon layers and I've finally been able to clear enough space to get something, get down to something that's a really core, deep childhood wound for me um, and, yes. I, and I haven't been able to get there on my own I've needed to go and see both kinesiologists and my energy healer who can see my aura and my energy field to help me clear that and and I definitely recommend as well um, getting support but even the starting step and now peeling it right back to someone where this work is completely new to them with my clients the starting step is stop running this is the biggest thing when they come to me they'll have all their patterns that are causing them to run, um, all the things they do that pull them out, that distract them when they go to sit down and meditate and they get antsy and then they go get on social media. I think your starting point is stop running and start sitting with yourself. Yeah, that's very cool. You know, and triggers mm. and, and conscious awareness. So basically 
when Connie mentioned at the start all the self-medicating that goes on in our society, which means somebody has something painful in them. They don't know how to deal with it or they don't want to deal with it, so they self-medicate it and they numb it out. Like we said, it can be anything from porn and gambling and drinking just to eating a bit too much sugar at night or just, yeah, using your phone too much or whatever you're doing to block your stuff out, okay? So, so okay, so I just lost my train of thought there for a second. Um, what did I say? Self, um, oh, Connie. Hang on a sec. Where they're, so where people are numbing out by having all these activities that they go and do to prevent Thank them you. from feeling. Conscious, conscious, the record just skipped there. Mm-hmm. Conscious awareness so, and triggers. So we mm. want to get really actively aware of every time a trigger hits you. So when someone says to me, I just can't stop eating sugar and I just beat myself up and I feel so bad about it, I say, okay. Remember the last time you went to the cupboard and you ate something and felt guilty? When was it? And they'll say, well, it was this afternoon. It was two hours ago. I'll say, okay, what was the trigger? What made you go in there? And they'll say, well, I was just feeling really, really bad when I got home from work. Okay, what were you feeling? You know, we, we need people to really understand what's triggering them. Yeah. What is the emotion that comes up in their body every time they go and blindly do this, this, this covering act, this, this numbing act? The second thing is that people will say to me, but Rebecca, okay, okay, so I get what I, I get all this stuff and I know what I need to change and fix and heal, but, but how do I do that? And to that answer, I just say conscious awareness. And all that means is once you, you've brought a wound up or an issue or a block up into the conscious mind, more than half the battle's already just been done. Yeah. Because it's while it's haunting you, it's while it's in the shadow side or it's in the subconscious brain, that's when the tail wags the dog, like it's running the show. The minute you say, ah, caught you, I can name you now, I know what this is, I've had this my whole life and I can really see it now, you put it up into the conscious mind. Now, 30, what are you, 33, I'm 35, you know, 32, whatever, say however many decades of program of, of just default robotic automaton, you know, behavior is very hard to undo in an afternoon. Mm. Yes, we all know that there's 15-minute miraculous, you know, spontaneous remission healing sessions which can happen for some people. However, if your body and your neural pathways have been trained for decades to behave in certain ways, there will be some work to be done in rewiring. How do we do this work? We have to start catching ourselves. So I don't care if even though you had this big realisation tonight of something about yourself, tomorrow you go back out and you do the same thing you've always done. And But if even two or three hours later or the next day later you catch yourself and you go, ah, I did that thing again, didn't I? As long as you're catching yourself. And that window will start to close from hours down to minutes down to the second that you're doing it. And then you'll you, you still do it. You might still eat the sugar or say the bad thing or whatever is, is the self-sabotaging behavior that you're doing. But you, your, your brain will be going, I know that I'm doing that thing right now and I'm just observing myself. And then you'll get to the point where you no longer need to do it because you'll actually cross the threshold there as well. And you'll, and you'll catch yourself two seconds before you do it and you'll say, ah, I don't even need to do this. I don't need to do this. Rebecca, talk yourself out of this now. I, I, and, and yeah, we, sorry. We watch ourselves, don't we? We really we, we retrain our brains. Go on, Connie. I was going to say, I just love everything that you're saying because it's exactly what I say to my clients. And I say to them, um, you know, I always say to them, the power of bringing it up into the conscious mind is is where you begin because you can only do something about, about it once it's 
ones. It's in your conscious mind. And secondly, I say to them, with awareness comes responsibility because I feel like when it's in the unconscious or subconscious, we can kind of say, oh yeah, I just do that thing and I don't even realize that I do it. But now that we're aware of it, you've got choices now. And so you can start to see, I'm at my little crossroad here. Am I going to go down the old pattern? I know where that takes me. Or am I going to stop and take responsibility for what's unfolding within me and make a different choice? And you articulated that perfectly. It sounds so simple, <laughs> it? does, it, it does. It, like, you know, and I just actually watched something last night. It was an old Anthony Robbins clip, but, you know, and he's saying it so clearly as well. Sometimes the only thing that separates you and your, you know, what's the word, evolution or achievement in, in climbing up and changing yourself and being successful, the only thing that separates you from everyone else out there in the population is that if you decide to do feel or change something and then you actually do it, mm. that is the most powerful thing ever. Oh. It's, it's first of all deciding, like Connie just said, make the choice, choose to and then do it. It's like the Nike slogan, yes. just do it. Yes, and you face know? the discomfort that's going to come up when you're trying to do something new and you've got a bit of resistance to it but move through that, you know, rather than running away. Just take a deep breath. And bloody do it. And it is simple as that. It's like yeah. knocking a wall down. And you guys who are listening, like some of you might be kind of fretting or thinking, oh, I've been – it's like dancing around on the edge of a pond and not wanting to plunge in, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's yeah. like – but but even the fact that anyone who's listening to this and, and nodding along with this conversation, the fact that you've put up your hand to say, I'm open to methods and techniques and healing, I'm open to hearing this stuff, I'm open-minded to change, that in itself is such a powerful, powerful conscious act and it already puts you so far ahead of the game you are so far ahead of the game because so many people of the seven billion on the earth right now are sadly sound asleep they are completely sound asleep they are not consciously awoken mm. okay and the fact that it, it doesn't matter if you haven't actualized it yet the fact that you are already retraining your neural pathways by opening up to thinking this way is more than half the battle. Beautiful. Pat yourselves on the backs. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that they've just listened to this conversation will support them even more. <laughs> Rebecca, <laughs> it has been so incredible hearing uh, your perspective on this. I think... You know, people turn these, this emotional stuff into these big, overwhelming experiences. But I think what you've broken down makes it really simple. And yes, it's still a journey and it's challenging and, and it, it's going to be a long journey because we're going to have more and more layers to peel back. But it is so worth it. And once you yes. start to get the hang of it, it gets easier and easier and you can catch your patterns and change them so much faster. So thank you so, so much for your time and for everything that you've shared. I really appreciate it. Oh, I am so appreciative of for you giving me the platform to, to talk so long and hear the sound of my own voice. <laughs> and hopefully, hopefully help some people along, along the way. Thank you so much, oh, Connie. Without a doubt. Now, before we wrap up, where can people find out more about you or have you got anything exciting coming up over the next few months that people need to keep an ear out for? I've got my website, Rebecca Detman, 
D-E-T-T-M-A-N, RebeccaDetman.com. So you can go in there and book a reading with me. And I do Skype. I do phone readings. I don't care where you are in the world or Mars, wherever you are. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll hook you up and we'll do a reading. We'll do a half hour or a full hour session. Um, I've also got um, a show which I co-host with A Love Doctor. So we, we put together sort of the psychic spiritual aspect with, with the love aspect. Um, and our show is called Love Life. And you'll find us on iTunes under Wellness and Sexuality, I think, in Australia in the top 10 under those two categories. So do have a listen if you want to hear some more, particularly psychic material or anything a little bit more like that that might float your boat. Um, by all means, come and join that tribe and spread the love. Thank mm. you, Connie. My pleasure. Thank you so much for everything you've shared. And thank you to everyone who's tuned into this week's episode of Awaken Radio. And I look forward to talking to you next time. Bye.